0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one unifying page of Talmud each day. I say unifying because while the Talmud is mainly about Jewish life and law and history and belief and practice, it also understands that we live in a world in which most people, and this may come as somewhat of a surprise to some of you, most people aren't Jewish. What to do with the Gentiles among us? Today's page, Gittin 23, gives us a hint. Have a listen. Rav Nachman said to him, if that is so, that anyone who is disqualified from writing a bill of divorce may do so with an adult supervising him, then if the one writing is a Gentile and a Jew stands over him and instructs him to write it for her sake, for the sake of the particular woman receiving the bill of divorce, would you also say that it is valid? And if you would say that it is also valid, but isn't it taught in a baraita a Gentile is disqualified from writing a bill of divorce in any event? Rav Huna answered, a Gentile acts based on his own will. Since he is halachically competent, he will have his own intentions while writing and may not be relied upon to carry out the intentions of the supervisor. In the case of the Mishnah, since those doing the writing are not halachically competent, they will write according to the instructions of the supervisor. This is no small thing. A bill of divorce is a big deal a seminal and sacred part of Jewish life. And here, the rabbis are telling us that it's perfectly fine for a bill of divorce to be created by a non-Jew who wishes to live and work and practice in a Jewish setting. There's a radical and beautiful truth in this insight, especially when we think of our own families. Often, when we speak of interfaith families in the Jewish community, we do so with trepidation. Walk into any Jewish conference, pick up any Jewish communal publication, and you're likely to find some lament about intermarriage and how marrying non-Jews may put Jewish continuity in peril. Look, it's a complicated and very sensitive subject, to be sure, and one that isn't to be taken lightly. But this year, on our sister podcast, Unorthodox, we wanted to bring a different approach to this issue. One very much inspired by today's page of Talmud and the idea that Jews and non-Jews could collaborate on even the most sacred Jewish projects together. So we spoke to my good friend Vicki Messler, who is, well, you know what, I'll just have you listen.
1: Vicki Messler, welcome to Unorthodox. Thank you so much great to be here with you. So will you tell us a little bit about what you do in your day job
2: and beyond? Sure. I have been working in education for almost my whole life, and I worked with kids who were really struggling, and then I got into special education. And now I actually have merged my kind of love of education and special education with my interest in Judaism. And I work at a school for kids with learning challenges that is specifically focused on a Jewish education with special education support. And I live in Harlem, where there's this burgeoning and growing Jewish community without really any institutional life. So I really worked hard to develop institutional life in partnership with a number of different other people and um, a JCC. So I tried to figure out ways to create Jewish Family and Jewish programming for kids because I wanted my kids to meet Jewish friends and have Jewish experiences and celebrate Rosh Hashanah, you know, alongside our neighbors. So based
0: on all you're telling me, I imagine you grew up in a loving, firm, committed, passionate Jewish home, right?
2: No, I grew up Catholic and I went to church every week with my mom and I went to Catholic catechism class or whatever. It was um, awful. Because of all of my thoughts and like fears being kind of stoked by fire and brimstone and really feeling like I didn't have a place there. But I went because if you don't go, bad things happen. You are punished. And so we went out of fear to make sure that we were insured until next week when we showed back up again right. so that we didn't die and go to hell.
0: And then you you meet and fall in love with a wonderful Jewish man named Avram. Correct. And surely that's when you decided to convert.
2: Well, we were art majors. So the Catholic girl and the Jewish boy was just more like an idiosyncrasy of our relationship. Um, we were art majors. So you so can make art your about parents it. parents
1: were mad about being art
2: majors. Everybody, everybody was mad about art major. Everybody figured we'd be destitute and also would have horrific relationship problems because we could never get married unless I converted. But my parents were very concerned. And how could this possibly work? I actually jokingly tell my mom now that like she got the best of all the deals because our family is with them for Christmas and we have time for Hanukkah and they never have to share us for like the major holidays. So I think she made out pretty well with the grandkids. All right, slow down though.
0: I, I wanna hear in, in great length that I think this really is something that a lot of people go through these arguments uh, that both sides, your families, people who I presumably love you, said. Okay, so why is this not going to work according to the Jewish side and according to the Catholic side?
2: Well, I think the Catholic side was a little bit like, well, Jews are very insular. And at some point, and the undertone was when kids show up, mm-hmm. the Judaism will show up and you will be forced to convert because Jews want their children to be Jews and there's no room for you and who you are. And I was like, that's ridiculous. This doesn't sound like my husband at all. I mean, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we're like, we're cool. Like everything's cool. But it wasn't so easy. And I think that as we became more grown up and entered our later 20s, we started to really think about it. And it's like, well, would we have a Christmas tree? Like if we had kids, would we teach them about Santa? Would we have Easter egg hunts? But what about Passover? What about Hanukkah? And of course, I was like, let's do all the things because that's amazing and so fun. But there was a little bit of like you know, discrepancy between the stories and like, well, if he's the person and the Jesus, (laughs) like, what about, you know, Moses? Yeah, so the question was kind of like, how do these ideas fit together? And so we went to the JCC in Manhattan and we took a class that was designed for interfaith couples. And the facilitator was amazing, but also I think couldn't help us, any of us get through these like detail details. So she had us frame up The thing that you couldn't for your own self give up and the things that you could potentially compromise on. And I was very clear with my husband from the first moment was like, I don't give two hooty hoots about Jesus like it's mythology and like it's an interesting story, but like it doesn't make any sense to me It has no place in my brain. But Santa is like a really big deal. And (laughs) I don't know how to have children without magic and joy and expectation and like a little mythology and like wonder, like, how does he do it all in one? Like a little bit of that magic is really part of childhood in my mind. And I was like, how do you not do that? And so we really had that conversation. And I said, well, let's just if your grandma and grandpa celebrate something because it's meaningful to them. And when they're little, it's Christmas and a tree and cookies. And now that my kids are older, it's like this story of this really important person, Jesus of Nazareth, who was born and like it's a crazy, unlikely story. And how could you have a baby in a manger? What even is a manger? Why did the wise men come? Like, it's kind of interesting story. But once you get over that, it's about being together and making cookies and like enjoying each other. And that's what we celebrate at my parents' house. And that's what my kids get to experience. And then we go back home and we or we can. Like at the same night, we light our Hanukkah and we sing our prayers. And my parents are into it and they sing, too. And we all like eat, you know, sufganyot together and and then a side of a Christmas cookie.
1: So so you basically said, like, I'm going to stay me. Right. I'm, I'm I'm who I am. But you basically committed to your kids being Jewish. I mean, I think it's so interesting because what you actually do and we've been talking about this, you know, more of this episode is you navigate all of these these questions In any given moment, I imagine a lot of these things are sort of a series of choices that you make consciously every single day. I think it's
2: just like all of the rest of parenting, which is that you have to navigate a million choices as you think about what is best for your kids and how to navigate the realities of the world and the realities of politics and the realities of school and the realities of other kids and other families and what they do and that you do like and you don't like and you see differences within. I think it's not any different than that. I think that actually speaks to why I chose a Jewish day school for my kids. I work in education. I've been in education, as I said, my whole life. And when we were thinking about schools, as my son was nearing kindergarten, I thought, well, what do I want out of a school? Yes, it could be free. But I also was thought about what is the value add if we start looking at different types of schools? And I thought about schools that had a value compass or a values component or character education as a component of the educational experience and the parent community. So I thought, who can we go to school with where my kids are going to fit in and we're going to share some set of values? And I really then thought that the only likely and probable answer was in the Jewish school community. So that's why we picked a pluralistic Jewish day school. And I Stand by that decision at every pass. My husband was like, What? We're going to we're sending the kids to Jewish day school? Like what? he went to Jewish day school. He was just shocked. I was like, Of course we are, because everybody is on the same page about parenting. We share values. This is huge when it comes to all of the trials and tribulations that your kid will go through.
0: So I'm gonna play dumb and I'm gonna ask a question that I know that you've been asked by fellow dim people. So if you like it so much. Why didn't Why wouldn't you marry it? Well, you already married it. Why don't you convert? I mean, you work at the Jewish day school. You are send your kids to a Jewish day school. You're one of the most involved, engaged, mindful people I know about all things Jewish life. Was there not a point in which you thought, you know what, hold my beer, I'm, <laughs> I'm going
2: in. <laughs> There were points in my life where I absolutely considered it and researched it. The first being, I think I was pregnant with my son, who's now 12, and we went to go see a rabbi who was explaining the conversion process through their shul. And it was a really interesting conversation. And then at some point, as we were wrapping up, he handed me basically a one sheet of the 613 laws of Judaism. And he was like, and part of the study is really understanding these laws and really digging deep into them and to the meaning of them and agreeing to them.
0: And you're like, what? I can't mix wool with linen? Fuck that.
1: I'm out.
2: So I said okay, cool. And I looked at the one sheet and, you know, like the linen, I was like, that's weird, but I, I don't know. And the shellfish, I was like, okay, you know, I get it. But some of them were so obviously 4,000 years old. And I was like, I don't even have goats. Like, what is, what am I going to do? Like, what do you mean agree to this? And he was like, well, just, you know, you agree. And I was like, but what do you mean agree? And it, it just, this, it just seems so nonsensical I mean, to me.
0: I- Hold on. The assumption being that Jews agree on things? That was the process.
2: That's I had to agree. And I said, OK, so I could like pretend to agree and then not actually do most of these. But what am I really converting to? Am I converting to pretend that I agree to something that doesn't make any sense? Am I converting so that other people will be happy and feel like I'm actually Jewish enough? Or am I converting because this actually has a meaningful movement of me from one thing to another? And I it just didn't make sense. So fast forward, I'm like currently much more deep in a Jewish life. And my son is actually studying for a bar mitzvah. And we found a sh- like a program that actually is calls it a B mitzvah because they degenderized it. I spoke to the rabbi and I said, do you guys do conversions? Like because I'm kind of curious about, you know, how with bar mitzvah, You are asking the kids to really design this rite of passage experience and really define for themselves what entering a Jewish community and entering Jewish life as a leader means and how to show that in the ceremony. Couldn't we do that for conversion? And he was like, oh, yeah, I totally do that. But I call it integration. My mind was blown because that change of language for me was so significant because my whole life was stuck on the word convert. Like, what do we mean convert? I'm going to be this and then I convert to this other thing. Like, this doesn't make any sense. But integration means how do you integrate the understanding of Judaism, the study of Judaism, the practices of Judaism, the, the community of Judaism into your life in some sort of meaningful way? And what does that mean for you? Um, and I find that thrilling.
1: That's beautiful. You're in Jewish settings a lot. I, I don't want to you know, get too personal, but like, do you ever feel like people are judging you or writing you off or something? Like, do you have, do you feel like you have to prove something to people?
2: I think my kids struggle with it a little more because I think that they never quite feel as Jewish as the other kids. And Um, I get teased a little bit because I know absolutely zero Hebrew. And the kids are like, well, no wonder I got a 70 on the test because you don't know any Hebrew. Like, how am I supposed to learn it? But I think that they have to hide a little bit of the Christmas or only tell certain kinds of kids. But I think that they are feeling more and more comfortable because we also have a Jewish community in Harlem. We also have other Jewish families that we celebrate Shabbat with. And the Jewish is enough in many of the places where we have community. So I think that owning that and seeing that there's other people very similar to us and even, you know, you could argue less Jewish than us or even farther from the Jewish that we practice. And it's fine. Like everybody's in and it's totally cool. And I just think that it's really lovely for my kids to grow up knowing that Judaism can be a lot of different things for different people and especially at different times of their lives because Judaism is... Something that you grow into, in my
1: mind. Vicki Messler, thank you for all you do for the Jewish community. It's really, it's just an honor and a privilege to, to talk with you and to learn from you.
0: This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you're going to enjoy our brand new Take One newsletter even more. Each week, you'll get an extra shot of Talmudic wisdom straight to your inbox. And for those who sign up before Tractate Gittin ends, we'll be raffling off some Take One swag. So make sure to subscribe at tabletm.ag slash Take One Newsletter. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts, and you could get your Take One t-shirts, mugs, and other amazing form of swag at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday covering the entire weekly portion of Duff Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Libowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Roberts Carmucha Courtney Hazelt, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at Take One Dafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.